two big season-long blows to the New Orleans Saints' health, the return of David Onyemata officially underway, and a look at the numbers for the Saints' win in Week 7 and their performance so far through six games. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making us your first listen here on the show today and every day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms and here for you every single day on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday with Locked On Saints. Hey, did the New Orleans Saints find their new kicker just in time? Well, that might be the case. The New Orleans Saints dealt two big blows to their health here over the last 24 to 48 hours or so. The New Orleans Saints announcing that left guard Andrus Pete, as well as kicker Will Lutz, who actually announced on his own, will be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Will Lutz ended up having a setback in his recovery, and then you had Andrus Pete, who suffered a torn pectoral muscle during the uh, New Orleans Saints Week 7 win on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. So let's talk about the impact of each of these injuries and where they go next at the positions. So we'll talk about Will Lutz first, because the kicker conversation has been a huge one in New Orleans this entire season, maybe the most ongoing conversation so far among Saints fans and the Saints organization outside of the wide receiver position has been finding a reliable kicker. And perhaps the New Orleans Saints have found a way to do that. If we look at what uh, Will Lutz brought to this team over the course of the last few years since joining the New Orleans Saints, an 86.6% field goal percentage over the course of his career. 64% touchback percentage on kickoffs. That's really important because if you watched the Monday night game against the Seahawks, Brian Johnson didn't do as great a job as you would expect getting the ball into the end zone for touchbacks on kickoffs. Instead, he only got one of those back there. A lot of short kicks on those kickoffs. So 25% for him, one of four on those. So that's something to keep in mind in terms of limiting the impact of field position, limiting the impact of big special teams plays as well. Now, uh, he did average throughout the course of his collegiate career, because remember, Monday was Brian Johnson's first ever NFL game in adverse conditions with the rain coming down and in a not so great environment in Seattle, which we know is a very hard environment to play in. But he averaged 76.1% of his college field goals. Let's break those numbers down a little bit further, though, and take a look at distance, because that's going to be a huge part of this conversation. Brian Johnson at Virginia Tech was 4 of 11, just 36.3% on field goals of 50 plus yards. And then when it came to field goals of 40 to 49 yards, he was only 63.6%, 14 of 22. So if we compare that to Will Lutz in the NFL, 13 of 23 on 50 plus, that was 56.5%. So that's 20% better than where Brian Johnson was at 50 plus. And then an 86.7% field goal percentage on field goals attempted between 40 and 49 yards, 52 of 60 on his NFL career so far. So that's where maybe things will get a little bit shaky for Brian Johnson is, is he going to be able to get the distance that he needs to be able to you know be trusted beyond 
33-yard and 20-yard field goals like what he kicked against Seattle. The good news for New Orleans is that both of these guys absolutely very near automatic at 39 and under, under 40 yards, effectively 95% for college and NFL, including the two kicks by Brian Johnson this weekend, 95% over the course of Will Lutz's entire NFL career as well. So it looks like the Saints might have a very, very reliable kicker within 40 yards, but have the NFL facilities, has the NFL coaching, NFL training, are those going to benefit Brian Johnson beyond 40 yards? That is where we'll find out or what we'll find out more of over the course of the next few weeks with Will Lutz out for the season. Now, I know a lot of people are asking, why don't they just go out and sign Jake Verity, the Ravens kicker off of their practice? Well, he's got to agree to that contract. It's not just a one-way street. I'm sure the Saints were very interested in him, but they really like what they've got in Brian Johnson as well. We just need to see if he can get the distance that Will Lutz was able to get and be reliable from a distance. Uh, let's take a look at Andrus Pete's impact. And the impact, go ahead and get your narratives ready, everybody. I'll just say it that way. Uh, in 2021, three sacks allowed, 14 pressures. That was the most sacks allowed by any offensive lineman for this team, as well as the second most pressures allowed. Uh, only Ryan Ramchek with 19 has given up more than Andrus Pete's 14. And his 94.2 uh, pass blocking efficiency, which is a grade that uh, or a metric that Pro Football Focus uses to sort of grade the efficiency of pass blockers, as you would imagine, uh, worst amongst the New Orleans Saints starting five and also some of their fill-ins, including Calvin Throckmorton, who stepped into the left guard position. He had been playing at right guard so far throughout most of the season, filling in for Cesar Ruiz, who was filling in for Will Clapp, who should have been filling in, or, or if he was healthy, would have been filling in for Eric McCoy. But right now, Calvin Throckmorton comes in at left guard and ends up playing pretty well in the week uh, seven game against the Seattle Seahawks. So the Saints might have struck gold with another undrafted free agent, this time on the offensive line with former Oregon Duck Calvin Throckmorton. He played 57 snaps in place of Andrus Pete at the left guard spot against Seattle and had the highest graded pass blocking grade amongst all New Orleans Saints offensive linemen and blockers in this game. So far on the season, he's only been uh, notched with 10 pressures allowed, no sacks, and that uh, pass blocker efficiency rating that we talked about, Andrus Pete having one of the worst for the team. Well, Calvin Throckmorton's got one of the best at 97%, and that's with playing two positions. Now, left guard and center might be the places where he has been least experienced over the course of his collegiate time, uh, but he did play all over the offensive line. So we'll see how long he's able to hold up this efficiency in the NFL. One more thing that this does really impact, though, maybe Andrus Pete wasn't the best when it came to pass blocking, as we can see here in terms of numbers, at least. When it comes down to it, that's where the Saints love to run the ball, and that's where you might see some impact here, and I think we already kind of started to see it last game, where the Saints only averaged three yards per carry on the ground. The Saints, 146 rushing yards between left guard and center. That's on 32 rushes, 4.6 yards per carry. All three of those, most of any run direction aside from quarterback scrambles for the New Orleans Saints. So it could be the run game that suffers a little bit with Andrus Pete out for the rest of the season, but we'll see if Calvin Throckmorton for the foreseeable future at left guard can end up stepping the game up a little bit in terms of run blocking over on that side. Certainly having Eric McCoy there and back helps a ton. It's a war of attrition, the NFL, and you've got to be able to have the depth. And so far, it looks like the Saints should be okay where they are, but certainly left guard kicker will be positions to continue to watch. The defensive tackle position has been one that we've been watching all season with David Onyemata out for the first six games of the year. Those six games are now up. David Onyemata is on his way back. What kind of impact will he have? We'll talk about that just in a little moment while we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, I want to talk about the impact of the Get Upside app. 
where I made a uh, quite a bit of cash back off of having to fill up my truck and you know drive people around and all the planning for the wedding and everything that we were doing over the course of the last month to get ready. The GetUpside app came in clutch. It's an incredible app. What it basically does is gives you the opportunity to get cash back per gallon anytime that you fill up your truck or car or vehicle when you go to a select gas station that they have a partnership with. So you go, you fill up your your vehicle, you use the app, and then it basically gives you the opportunity to get 25 cents back per gallon on those fill-ups anytime that you fill up. So it eliminates you having to try to nickel and dime your way through trying to save five cents here, three cents here by picking the cheaper gas station that's just a little bit further away and all that. You don't have to worry about it. As long as they're a select gas station with GetUpside, you get 25 cents off per gallon, 25 cents back in cashback per gallon. And if you use the promo code touchdown, they'll boost your first fill up to giving you 50 cents per gallon back on that first fill up. So go and check them out. It's the GetUpside app. You can get it for free in the Apple App Store, Google Play, wherever it is that you get your apps and start getting 25 cents back per gallon on your next fill up today. The Get Upside app has you covered. So the New Orleans Saints defensive line came back to life against Seattle, and now it's about to get much, much better. David Onyemata has cleared the suspension window and can return to the team. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, and thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. I want to remind you, I've got you covered in everything you need to know about the New Orleans Saints, but don't forget we have the trade deadline coming up, a live trade deadline show, which you can catch live over at the Locked on NFL YouTube page from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be a part of that. We'll have Isaiah Stanback, our NFL insider, will be a part of that. And of course, we'll be watching very closely about whether or not the New Orleans Saints take advantage of some options that might become available at the trade deadline. But even if they don't, they're starting to get these pieces back to their roster. We saw the offensive line get back together. Quan Alexander, Marcus Davenport, whose impact we'll talk about in a little bit once we start to break down the uh, week seven win by the numbers as we wrap up the show. Now they're going to be reintroducing David Onyemata, hopefully sooner rather than later. The good news about David Onyemata returning is that he's not coming back from injury. He was suspended. And so it wasn't like his, you know, he wasn't able to work out. He wasn't able to stay in football shape. According to Sean Payton, actually, he's in great football shape. So they're very, very excited to see him back on the field. You'll see a little bit of a uh, a pretty common phrase used whenever you see the announcement that David Onyemata is returning. They'll say that there's a roster exemption there. So basically what that means is that he has a roster exemption through November 1st, meaning that he can play, he can be a part of the roster, he can do whatever, and the Saints don't have to make a spot for him on the roster. He's just an additional player effectively. So that's good news with the New Orleans Saints because it gives them time to get him involved in practice and everything without having to give up a roster spot. And then if they want to play him this weekend, they can. If they don't and they don't feel like he's ready, then it doesn't cost them anything in terms of other players that can be available for that game. So that's what that roster exemption idea means. But uh, you know, if he plays, then he counts. But when it comes down to it, they say that he's looking like he's in great coaching shape. So the idea will be, the biggest question is going to be centering around David Onyemata is whether or not he'll play this weekend. And again, because he's not coming back from injury, there's a good chance that he might. And remember, the New Orleans Saints used him all over the place when it came to the preseason before the season began. Remember, they used him a ton at edge rusher. They used him on the interior at three and one tech at nose tackle. They did everything with him. And some of that had to do with the lack of availability of edge rushers for the Saints, which is funny to say when you have a 90-man roster, but that's just the way that sort of the cookie crumbled for the New Orleans Saints over the course of the preseason. So it'll be interesting to see how they use David Onyemata here 
in 2021? Do they strictly use him as a defensive tackle? Do they deploy him as an edge rusher every now and then? Does he become an edge rusher in NASCAR packages, which remember for the Saints are usually three defensive end packages to where they have four down linemen, but they put out an extra defensive end as one of the interior linemen to sort of crank up the pass rush, crank up the speed presence on the defensive line. Does David Onyemata give you the opportunity to be able to do that just by solely having David Onyemata on the field? Or do you keep David Onyemata on the interior, go to your usual NASCAR package with, let's say, Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, and Cam Jordan, and then you effectively have four edge rushers available for you on that one. You can run these stunts toward the outside. You can take guys from inside to out. All of these really creative things that can be done with David Onyemata back in the lineup. So a lot to watch. And he's typically had good games against Tom Brady and the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had great games in both of those games last year. He was a you know, a, a big part of what went right for the Saints, a few things that went right in the playoff game, even though pass rush wasn't fully there for them. And the Saints have continued to dominate in the rushing game, even without David Onyemata. So now you add him in and all of a sudden this pass rush, this run game, this run defense, this defensive line just gets a ton better all together. So look, the Saints defensive line, the pass rush really, really came to life last week. Like we mentioned, five sacks. They had a few extra hits on the quarterback as well. David Onyemata comes back and he adds this versatile piece for you as well as this interior pass rusher. And I know I stress interior pass rush a ton, but it's because it's what works against veteran quarterbacks. Rookie quarterbacks, you get pressure on a quarterback, you get pressure on a quarterback. But against veteran quarterbacks, interior pressure has a really unique and specific impact because you can't just move up in the pocket, which is what most you know veteran quarterbacks will look to do when they face edge pressure, move up in the pocket create some space that way, and then be able to step up in the pocket and make a throw. But with David Onyemata in the lineup, that gets a little bit tougher for those veteran quarterbacks out there, including Tom Brady within the division, uh, Matt uh, Matt Stafford, Matt uh, Ryan in the division. I keep wanting to call him Matty Ice because of those commercials, but I hate calling him by his nickname. So Matt Ryan in those in, in the division. And then even a young guy that is prone to mistakes like Sam Darnold, you want to split that series with your defensive rival there, or excuse me, your division rival there after losing the early one. David Onyemata could be a key piece to creating the pressure that forces the interception, that forces the bad throw, that forces the fumble perhaps in the backfield if this New Orleans Saints team got right, right? And I mean, get right by not just having one good game, five sacks. I mean, if they're able to get multiple sacks in games moving forward, then that's a big deal for the New Orleans Saints or even just one or two sacks at the most opportune times on third downs, on fourth downs, you know, to back up somebody out of field goal range, all of those things. That gives you a huge benefit and a missing piece to what you haven't had so far this season. New Orleans Saints still second to last in the NFL when it comes to pass rush win rate. They're still very low down near the bottom of the league when it comes to sacks, even though they went up from eight all the way up to 13 in one week. So obviously you want to keep that going. And David Onyemata certainly gives you the opportunity to be able to do that. Him creating that immediate in interior pressure creates a lot of confusion for quarterbacks, creates a lot of stress for offensive lines. It gets to the point to where what's called an ace block ends up happening as opposed to a duo block. So a duo block would be the guard and tackle double teaming an edge defender. An ace block will be that guard shifting to double team with the center on an interior defender. That creates one-on-ones everywhere else over on the offensive line because you only got five offensive linemen to your four defensive line. If two of them are focused on an interior player, that means Peyton Turner's getting uh, uh, Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan. They're all getting individual one-on-ones on the outside and potentially even Tano Passanio, who might be your most reliable pass rusher so far, both in terms of availability and production. 
that gives him a potential one-on-one on the inside next to David Onyemata as well. So there's a lot of benefit to getting David Onyemata back, and hopefully he's back out on the field on Halloween day so he can wreak a little bit of havoc on, you know, and bring a little bit of spooky season to the field up against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. So with David Onyemata on the way back, we expect the numbers to look a little bit different over on the Saints defensive line moving forward. We're going to focus more on some numbers here in a little bit and talk about how very close Alvin Kamara is to becoming one of, if not the best skill position player in New Orleans Saints history and much more as we look at what the Saints have done so far through the first six weeks and their win in week seven against Seattle. Before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about some other numbers, some betting numbers, which you can find over at betonline.ag. They got you covered for all of your odds, props, any type of bets that you want to get in on. They've got you covered fastest and easiest place to place all of your bets. Right now, the New Orleans Saints underdogs at home plus five. They've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by five. So some history for you here. Since 2009, the Sean Payton era, the New Orleans Saints are 10 and six when they are underdogs at home. So they've outperformed their Vegas expectations in those situations, but only six of those games have been divisional games in which the Saints have split those three and three. And this is the first time since 2009 that the Saints have been underdogs to Tampa Bay at home. So something to consider there, at least in the regular season, they were in the playoffs as well last year. So this will be the first time against Tampa. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But if you feel in one way about it or another, or even if you like over-unders, this game is expected to maybe rack up some points here. Over-under is at 50. If you think they're going to come under that, think they're going to come in over that. You got that, lines, you've got props that'll pop up as well, game props as well as player props. If you want to get in on any of that, though, betonline.ag is the place to do it. And when you do so, if you're signing up for your first account, make sure that when you put in that first deposit, that you use the promo code LOCKED ON, so L O C K E D O N, so that you get that 50% welcome bonus over at betonline.ag. And of course, we can't forget about our good friends over at Built Bar. They have a bunch of limited edition flavors that are rotating every three or four days. So make sure you're heading over to built.com every day to keep up to date with everything that's going on. Because not only are they rotating every three or four days, they're only short-lived on the website, they also sell out quickly too. So out of three or four days, you might only have one or two at actually getting some of those limited edition flavors. We've seen blueberry muffins so far. We've seen the return of coconut almond. We've or the, the return of uh, coconut brownie chunk. We've seen the uh, paranormal pumpkin uh, Halloween flavor that they had up for a little bit. So make sure you're checking out the website and getting your protein bars that taste like candy bars. I keep telling y'all, these are the best tasting protein bars on the market, bar none. Nothing compares to these protein bars. So go and check them out at built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so that you can get a 15% discount on your first order, your next order. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how many times you've been to the website. This is going to get you 15% off. That's built.com for the best tasting protein bars on the market. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode with a look at the numbers, the numbers from the New Orleans Saints week seven victory, as well as what they've done so far through week six. But one guy we're going to talk about for his entire career for just a second, because Alvin Kamara could very soon, and I mean within the next couple of years, be the best Saints skill position player in franchise history. I was running out of running out of screen space there, but uh, 58.9% of the offense in the New Orleans Saints win against Seattle came from Alvin Kamara. He, in this game, went over 3,000 rushing and receiving yards for the first time in his career. So he went over 3,000 in both of those categories in just 66 games. That is the fastest player to ever do it. The previous record holder was at 70. 
Right now, Alvin Kamara needs eight total touchdowns in order to tie Marcus Colston's all-time Saints record of 72 career touchdowns. He only needs six rushing touchdowns. He could do that by the end of the season here to tie Mark Ingram's franchise mark of 50 career rushing touchdowns to hold on to that as long as the Saints don't continue their reunion tour and end up bringing Mark Ingram back at some point in the near future. And then he's got 786 career carries with seven fumbles, only seven fumbles over the course of those. That's over 100 carries per fumble. That's incredible. The only player in franchise history to be better than that is Pierre Thomas, who had 18, I'm sorry, 818 career carries with the New Orleans Saints and only six fumbles in his career. Alvin Kamara's also got a 4.8 rushing yard career average per carry on the ground. That is outstanding considering the amount of yardage that he has. The only player close to him there, again, Pierre Thomas with 4.6. And I'm beginning to really look at how underrated Pierre Thomas is in the midst of this conversation as well. But this is a conversation about Alvin Kamara. So let's not also forget his ability as a receiver. 351 career receptions so far, already sixth all time on the chart for the New Orleans Saints in terms of franchise receptions. 35 behind Jimmy Graham and the top five. This is a guy that's averaged over 80 uh, receptions per season so far over the past three or over the past four years. Now he's got, what, an extra game? He will break that. He will move into the top five when it comes to career receptions this season. So he has the opportunity here to get into career rushing yard, a rushing touchdowns leader. He has the opportunity this season to get into a career touchdown leader for the Saints. And he has the opportunity to move into top five at the same time in receptions as a running back for New Orleans. Pretty incredible stuff. Alvin Kamara, pretty incredible stuff. Also pretty incredible stuff was Demario Davis in week seven in their win against the Seattle Seahawks. 10 tackles, two sacks, three quarterback hits, a pass breakup, as well as four tackles for a loss and five defensive snaps. What an incredible game by Demario Davis. All of that while also pushing over offensive linemen, dominating interior offensive linemen, and keeping the cooler head on the defense and being a big-time leader for the New Orleans Saints. A lot of people ask me, who's the leader of this team now that Drew Brees is gone? Demario Davis has continued to be that guy and the guy um, handling all of that so far this season. And I think we're grateful for that. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore also had a great day, even though he allowed 103 receiving yards uh, when he was targeted. 84 of those came on the one catch that probably should have been offensive pass interference. But regardless, only 19 catches, uh, excuse me, 19 yards allowed on two catches and also had a pass breakup in this one. Opposite him, Paulson Adebo, the rookie cornerback out of Stanford, yet again out snapping Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby still being held at bay, even though the Saints traded for him. But again, the investment in both players is the same. So Saints not really losing anything with either or being out on the field. But Paulson Adebo continues to play well. Only one catch allowed for 10 yards. Spent a lot of his day matched up with Tyler Lockett in this one. He also had three defensive stops and a tackle for a loss. The Saints love their tackling cornerbacks. Paulson Adebo absolutely in that category. Let's take a look back at the offensive line here. The Saints allowed only seven total pressures uh, on the offensive line, two of which were allowed by Ryan Ramchek, who has been top five in terms of pass block win rate 
according to ESPN. So, you know, you've had some some standout moments from him so far, but consistently he's been very good. Uh, it feels like a down season for him so far, but at least he's at the top in a very important metric there. And he also had two allowed by Cesar Ruiz, who moved back to right guard for this game. Ruiz was also credited with one of the two sacks allowed. The other was credited against Winston. Uh, the defensive line, we talked, we said we were going to be talking a little bit about Marcus Davenport's impact. Marcus Davenport comes back to the New Orleans Saints after coming off of injured reserve, and he led the way with six pressures. No sacks, did get one hit and five hurries, but six pressures from Marcus Davenport, who also got flagged at one point for roughing the passer, which might have just been for bullying a right tackle because it was a little bit of a ridiculous penalty. The Saints had 90 penalty yards in this game, and a lot of them bogus. We'll talk about why that's important here in just a little bit. Demario Davis, uh, Tano Passanio, Malcolm Jenkins, and Cam Jordan all had sacks in this game as well. Totaled uh, a total of 20 pressures on the defensive line created along with five sacks and three additional hits on the quarterback. All of those will make a big difference for you as a team. This comes after a couple of weeks of you know, uh, pressures in the teens, pressures in the single digit area. So great for New Orleans to get back on the, um, the defensive line horse, if you will. Um, we talk a lot about field position here, and we really like it. Uh, average field position for the New Orleans Saints was starting on their own 30. We know how important that metric has been so far. The Saints continue to be absolutely dominant when they hit that mark. They flipped the field extremely well as the game progressed. They weren't great there in the first quarter, but it got a little bit better. Blake Gillikin, a big part of that, had six punts. Five of them hit within the 20. I only had two of them return for 19 yards. His net average was only 44.3 yards per punt, but he also had a couple of short punts as well, i.e. he was punting from his own 48-yard line, things like that, or punting from the uh, opponent's 48-yard line, things like that. So that definitely factors in. But he did have a long of 58. This comes just after a couple of weeks ago where he had a long of 60 on there. So uh, pretty incredible stuff by Blake Gilligan, who continues. And by all means, if you look at some of the key uh, sort of takeaways from this game, the New Orleans Saints probably should have lost this one, but they came out on top. This was just some interesting stuff to see. The Saints were two and thir- two of 13, only 15.4% on third down. There were minus one in turnover differential. Remember, the Saints have been dominant when creating turnovers on the road, didn't create any, and had one turnover thanks to the fumble by Adam Troutman. Still walked away with a win. One of three on touchdowns in the red zone, very uncharacteristic for the New Orleans Saints so far this season, who entered this game 13 of 14 in terms of converting red zone possessions to touchdowns, but at least they walked away with points in all of those red zone possessions, so we will take that. And they averaged only three yards per running play in this one while having the 90 penalty yards that we referenced earlier. This was a uh, big time amount of uh, potentially beating themselves that the Saints overcame. So not only did they beat the Seahawks, but to an extent, they beat those penalty yards. They beat their inefficiency in the run game. They beat their inefficiency in the red zone. Some things that are uncharacteristic of them. Um, they were able to cir- uh, be able to circumvent and overcome all of that to be able to get this win in harsh weather conditions in a uh, challenging environment in Seattle with a win. And hopefully they'll be able to bring that momentum back home with them as they look to reopen the Superdome on Halloween day after being away again for so long and hopefully with a win against those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, y'all. Thanks as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. So subscribe, follow wherever it is that you're taking in all of our episodes. And if this is your first time catching the show, thank you again so much for having joined us for today. Hope to see you again tomorrow because tomorrow will be crossover Thursday. We've got David Harrison coming back. He was 
here to represent the Washington football team. Now he's back as a host of Locked on Bucks to preview the Saints and Bucks matchup on Halloween day. Trick or treat, what will it be? And then on Friday, we'll break down keys to victory and take a look at something that I mentioned earlier on in the week when it came to pass block win rate and run block win rate. Where are the Saints in those metrics now? Made a really nice move in terms of pass block win rate. We'll go over that and why as we continue on. And for your second listen of the day, don't forget to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, everything you need to know around the league in less than 30 minutes. For everything in between, y'all, make sure that you follow on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.